Welcome to Story Smack. Hello, my name is A. Kovacs, audiobook narrator and founding partner at Empty Set Entertainment. And my name is Scott Sigler, best-selling author, and I really think that this rug ties the room together, you guys. What do you think? <laughs> and this is our 28th episode of Story Smack. And as you can tell, we have a live studio audience today because it, we're at Sigler Fest 2017. Hello, guys. Hello, guys. For those of you listening at home, uh, Sigler Fest is an annual tradition that we hold in Las Vegas, Nevada. This year it was October 6th and 7th. Is that uh, correct? That's correct. October 6th and 7th. We are, it gets bigger and bigger every year. So if you listen to this podcast and you want a really good time with a bunch of very cool people, come on out next year and you can get that information at scottsigler.com slash siglerfest. Yeah. And this week we are talking about The Big Lebowski, the Coen Brothers movie, The Big Lebowski. And we're doing that because the Sigler Fest theme for this year was The Sig Lebowski. The Sig Lebowski. So everybody in the room had a chance to watch it. It was uh, ahead of time known that we were going to talk about this on this podcast. But first, you and I will talk about it. All right. I know that you and I um, have different types of favorite movies. You like lots of explosions. Explosions. Lots of blood. Blood. Lots of fighting. Lots of fighting. There's very little of any of that in The Big Lebowski. There's a pretty good fight scene in it, though. There, yeah, well, there, I, there's some. Yeah, you watch a man's chest get crushed with a bowling ball. That's a good time. Ooh. And, of course, uh, there is at least... I mean, spoilers. Oh, I should say that. Spoilers. You yeah, heard at this big... point, you're all trapped in the room. So Yeah, you guys, you guys are out of luck here in the room, but if you're listening at home, this is oh, your one chance right. to I turn off. Have... Yes, turn it off. The bi- this, go watch The Big Lebowski and then come back. And what I was going to say is there's at least one death. Poor Donnie. Poor Donnie. Poor Donnie. Donnie finally shut the fuck up. <laughs> finally. You know, you know, it was tragic. So, uh, yeah, but you kind of like a, a, a much more testosterone-driven movie, I'll say maybe. How'd you feel about this? I enjoyed The Big Lebowski. Uh, uh, my, my high school buddies are crazy for it, and they love it and quote it, and it's one of those movies I just never had seen uh, total. So it wasn't quite the... Uh, I was expecting something on the caliber of Blues Brothers or Animal House or Strange Brew, one of the greatest comedies of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and we, it, wasn't, it wasn't quite that, you hosers, but it was all right. It was, uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, Bridges has a, has a very interesting role in that. Is it John Turturro? Uh, yeah, John Turturro, John Turturro has a killer, killer role. Completely, Jesus completely steals the show. Uh, there's also, um, I love Walter Sobchak. Is, is I, I love the dude. Yeah. I love Jesus. Uh-huh. I love Donnie, because poor Donnie, come on. Donnie has the worst, worst, worst role, and that's Steve Buscemi. He does a great job, but he's just pooped all over all the all movie long, the whole movie long. He's got the short end of the he stick. Does. However, I think that Walter is the most quotable. Walter is. They really went through a lot of work to make Walter quotable. That's yes. for sure. Yes, yes, yes. I did like Steve Buscemi's performance, though. He's. I mean, you've seen him in a lot of things. He's such a good actor. He's done so many things really, really well. Fargo, etc. And then in this one, he just kind of has this this befuddled expression. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. And he doesn't really understand what's happening. And you would think, well, that's who that guy really is, except we've seen him do all kinds of amazing stuff. His yes, subtlety exactly. in the role was awesome. Exactly. And uh, John Goodman plays Walter Sobchak. Walter Sobchak is a Vietnam vet um, who, no matter what he's doing, in case anybody hasn't seen it, and no matter what he's doing, of course, everything is tied back to his experience in Vietnam. Yep. Except for bowling, because then that's one of my favorite quotes, is this is not... 
Nam. There are rules. Let's go bowling. <laughs> I'm going to do that tonight. This is bowling. There are rules. Yes. Are you going to bring your Folgers can to the bowling alley? I might. You don't know. I might. I okay. Might. Okay. Somebody here recommended that I fill it with baby powder. Who was that? They, yeah, yeah. Scott Pond did. I thought that would be a, a bridge too far. <laughs> That's a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure the bowling staff would really appreciate that <laughs> pranksterness. Oh, look at the tomfoolery that just happened here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so The Big Lebowski came out in 1998, okay. uh, a bazillion years ago, yeah. uh, and it, is, it focuses on the dude Lebowski, who's mistaken for a millionaire, who's also named Lebowski. He's mistaken Lebowski. for the Big Lebowski, the Big, Lebowski, the big exactly. Money Man Lebowski. And uh, there are people who are seeking restitution from The Big Lebowski, um, or seeking money and payback from The Big Lebowski, <clears throat> and they come and pee on his rug. They pee on... Uh, the dude's rug. The dude's rug. Yes. Which the, really tied the room together. The, the rug really did tie the room together. And I mean, it just, hey, man. Oh, man. Not pissing on the rug. It's a very wonderful scene. And then he kind of, uh, the dude kind of ends up on this wild goose chase to get his rug back, his life back in order, all things like that. And I think a lot of Coen Brothers movies, which I, why I asked or why I brought up the type of movie you like best, is mm. Coen Brothers movies do this sort of meandering, multi-plot, back into each other thing. And a lot of them don't have a really big point. Last week we talked about Seinfeld, and we didn't talk much about the show Seinfeld, but it was a show about nothing. Yes. And I kind of think Lebowski, uh, um, Coen Brothers movies sort of do that same thing. Kind of about but, nothing. And they're kind of a, about a lot of, but it's sort of life in general, but kind of about nothing. I think I was talking uh, the other night with a handful of junkies and we talked about maybe we should have you watch, is it Burn After Reading with uh, Brad Pitt in it? I think you may love that one. Is that a Coen Brothers movie? It's a Coen Brothers movie, but I think you may love the Brad Pitt scene, so we may do that. Anyhow, um, I did, we did write down a handful of quotes, but I'm sure everybody has a handful of quotes about the Big Lebowski. Um, The first one, of course, starts with, it really tied the room together with the rug. Yes. Um, and I, I, I love that Walter, who's this big, funny caricature of himself, is the one who says, like, strong men do cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there, that's what you get with the Coen Brothers movie from the ones I've seen. They're all kind of character studies. It's, it's a yep. loose plot that vaguely ties together the events so that uh, character actors can do the things that they do and make yeah, performances probably- really pop off the screen. That's probably a good way to put that. Yeah. Uh, it also has a, um, is it a Busby Berkeley kind of? Uh, what is a Busby Berkeley? Busby Berkeley was a choreographer back in the day. It's that set oh. bowling pin scene. Okay. Um, I think it's Busby. Buzz, Buzz, yeah. Um, and uh, I have a funny story about that that I saw Jeff Bridges on The Tonight Show or something talking okay. about, which I said to you and you were, you were, he's quite unhappy that they fooled him. But uh, there's the scene where he goes through the legs of a whole bunch of um, kind of rocket sort of girls who have bowling pins on their heads and whatever. And uh, the day that that happened, he asked them, is that a, my, my family, my wife and daughters are going to be on set if, if you're comfortable with that because I'm going to be riding a skateboard through the middle of your legs. And Do I you, take pictures of it? Uh, uh, yeah. And they're, and they're like, oh, that's fine. And he thought, well, that's a little weird. So he went and he asked the head uh, dancer and she was like, oh, Jeff, that would be just fine. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay. That's, I guess, girl thing, whatever. And then he was going through that scene and on his back on the skateboard going under all their legs and their, we'll say their grooming in between their legs was getting more and more voluminous and pronounced until the, the final girl, he realized, oh, 
oh, they were fooling me. <laughs> and, and they had gone to the makeup trailer before and all gotten done up. And uh, he got out from it, and they, he was getting redder and redder, and he got out, and his wife and daughters were laughing at him. So they had all <laughs> sort of all planned that together. Takes a lot of work to pull off a fake bush practical joke. <laughs> a lot of work. Um, so... Uh, Tell me how you suffered through The Big Lebowski, because you say, oh, you like this movie, but there was a little bit where we were... Oh, no, no, no. It was John who had said that at some point we apparently thought we might get high to watch The Big Lebowski, but I don't think we did that. We definitely didn't we sh- do that. We should have done some acid, I think. I think the people <laughs> who wrote The Big Lebowski were doing acid. Because as a, as a gentleman who prefers the finer, high-caliber movies to... <laughs> I love the high caliber joke there. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) To be uh, suddenly um, surprised by a very detailed dance number with lots of choreography and crazy costumes. And you're like, what? What is happening? It's almost the opposite. I got tricked into going to see a movie called Black Swan. And, uh, and someone wanted to go see Black Swan, and her friend crapped out on her. It's like, hey, will you go see this movie? I'm like, sure, whatever, I'll go see a movie. And then by the time we got to the movie, and I was sort of in my head, the previews for it and the ads for it, and I sort of sat down, and I said, my butt was almost in the seat. I'm like, wait a minute, is this a fucking ballet movie? <laughs> did you just bring me to a fucking ballet movie? And she was all like, oh, yeah, I, I guess I should have mentioned that. I'm like, yes, you should have mentioned that because I would have not gone. Well, I bought the ticket to eat my popcorn and wound up loving that movie because it's a crazy horror flick. It's bizarro. Yeah. And there's really not a lot of ballet in it. The, it. the opposite of that is The Big Lebowski because I'm watching sort of a crazy detective story about this loser trying to get his rug back that has been urinated on by gangsters yeah. and it turns into a giant ballet dance number. Yeah. <laughs> So that's so, sort of what I was saying, you sort of suffering through it. And then we, uh, the dude in The Big Lebowski, as many of you know, uh, drinks white Russians, uh, which is Kahlua and vodka and cream. And that would have made it, I think, a little, a oh, little yes. more fun, too. And he, so halfway through, we were watching together, and he's like, wait a minute, you've seen this before? I'm like, of course I've seen that, of course, because that's the end. Of course I have. It's a Coten Brothers movie. I'm, I'm filming. Our tour. Yeah. Um, and he's like... And you didn't think to make white Russians? I was like, that's fair. You're suffering more than you needed to. You Seven or eight or nine or ten white Russians would have <laughs> changed the timbre of the film a little bit. <laughs> I may have got up and started dancing myself at that scene. See Although, if I, had, find I will skateboard. say, from my own perspective, which is also, uh, we can discuss this at a different time, but uh, still better movie than La La Land. <sighs> How many people in here saw La La Land? How many people in here just loved La La Land? One dude. (laughs) Two. We got two people who dug the crap out of it. All right. All right. That's cool. I got to be honest with you guys. There's two things in this world that I really don't understand. Number one is musicals. Because you're just walking along, minding your own business, and all of a sudden you burst into song to share what's going on with the world. I know they're great. I know people love them. West Side Story is the only exception. The Jets will have their night tonight. This Puerto Rican punkos fair fight. Hey, listen, Officer Crumpke, that's a jam, right? But that's got some interesting music in it. All the other musicals, I sit befuddled and wonder, why don't they just say these things normally? <laughs> just, okay, you love her, say you love her. What's with all of this going on with the stage and the movement and everything? And the other one is anything involving dance, period, flat out. I don't get it. I don't get... You mean I don't, even, even 
da- going like to I see. get going and dancing. I don't get dance up on the screen. And I know this is me. This is not the rest of the world because people love dance. I just don't get it. I watch dance. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on here. I feel like I feel like someone from England watching American football right now. I have no idea what's happening. And that's true. Like if you, well, maybe you've not done this other than Black Swan, but if you go see a ballet. Oh, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Uh- <laughs> And it has not yet to date happened. You better have a shit ton of money if you want that to happen. That's <laughs> all I'm going to say. I'm not inviting you to watch the ballet. I'm I, just asking. I, we're off topic, I know, but I did go to an opera once, and that's never going to happen again either. Okay. So we've established you like rock shows. Yeah, rock shows are great. You like shoot 'em ups? I do like shoot 'em ups, yes. Uh, what other kind of movies do you like? Or maybe what other kind of movies don't you like? Do you watch animated movies? Not that often. Uh, I haven't watched a great number of them, not since I've been a kid. A are you of, uh, personally offended by them like you are musicals? No, but I am personally offended by musicals. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> the Pixar movies are good. Yeah, I do like the Pixar. They've got script writing down to a science and their plot down to a science. And even when you know they're screwing with your emotions, you're fully aware what they're going to do going in. You're still like, goddamn Woody. <laughs> <laughs> Praising. Son of a bitch. Yeah, that's a good praising <laughs> one. That's a, that you cry about that too. You're like, God damn, Woody, what's going on? <laughs> Sorry, that went off the rails a little bit. It was an impotence joke. Did it not land? Did it not land? God dang it. Those are hard to do right. Didn't punch through. <laughs> I caught the hard to do right. That was very thanks, good too. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so back on topic. Back Wrestling on is back on topic. Um, Who's your favorite character out of the, the, four, the four or five primaries? You don't get to pick Tara Reid. Oh, it's Jesus. Tara Reid was fine in it. Mm-hmm. Could have seen she more still Tara had a belly Reed. button then. I'm guessing they probably cut. There's a lot of scenes with her cut because she has very brief scenes in there. But Jesus was amazing. That was awesome. Uh, tonight we're going to go bowling. Uh, and I know you brought your own bowling ball this time. That's right. I did. Uh, I want one of those. I want one of those bowling. Yeah, I was going to say, cleaners. do you have do you have a towel that you could do that? Oh, oh, the there's, there's a little visual. Oh, you got it for the other side of the room too. They saw. They see what's up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. Those did, not did, dance. Did. Those not dance. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Who's next? <laughs> Uh, I have to say I think my favorite I already said my favorite character is Walter but I the more I think about Walter I adore Walter Walter has the most non sequitur most ludicrous life in general and he is actually the motivator throughout the entire movie for everything terrible except that original peeing on the rug that was an oversight and had those guys just walked away and the dude never mentioned it to Walter. Right. His whole life would have been fine. Yeah. Donnie might still be alive. Uh, I, I will bring up, I think at some point, <clears throat> since we didn't make the movie, but it's a live show with a live audience, if you guys come up and have a question that you want our thoughts on a part of the movie or want us to comment on a movie, we can do that. But cutting to what's super confusing about this movie the fuck was Sam Elliott? What is going on with that? He was, he's just Seriously. the narrator. He's just, he's the narrator who just happens to be in the bar. Man, he really took a shine to the dude, didn't he? He liked he that sure fella. Did. Yeah, he liked yeah. him a whole lot. But I think it would have been fine if it was a Sam Elliott voiceover. If you just imagine it as a Sam Elliott voiceover, you would have had no problem I would have had no problem. I, I didn't understand his place in how he breaks the fourth wall, winds up sitting down at the bar, and then, of course, we're actually hearing... Sam Elliott tell that story. That's the basic gist of it, right? We're hearing Sam Elliott tell us this story. Yeah. So, 
Can I help you? We're going to have questions, apparently. Okay. I guess we're going to move to the yeah, question phase now. As I said, we'll get to that in a minute, but now the minute has come. Uh, I'm not sure that mic is on, though. I don't think it's working. Oh, hold on. Okay. Talk a little. First, talk, talk a little. First, uh, tell us what your name is. T- just a, talk a little. Hello. Keep talking. Hello. My name is Noisy Astronomer. More? <laughs> uh, my Can real name is it? Nicole. Cool. Hello. Okay, hit it, kid. Have you seen the My Little Pony take on The Big Lebowski? Uh, if never not, s- why not? Because I've never seen a My Little Pony ever. You should fix that. What, what about you guys? Has anyone seen the 100th episode? Yeah. Okay, Tim, that, of course. <laughs> I think, you doesn't should. My it's Little Pony fabulous. combine both uh, animation and dance? And singing. And singing. And Doctor Who and Big Have Lebowski in the same scene. I haven't, but it sounds just right up your alley. You yeah, go. it sounds great. <laughs> Thank you. Cheers. Thank, Thank you. you, Nicole. Nicole. Uh, oh, so, wait a minute. That's our fifth PhD here, then, isn't it? Yeah, she just arrived, but that's our fifth yes. PhD. We have uh, we have four PhDs in residence and this year's Sigler Fest, which now is five PhDs. <laughs> Noisy astronomers recently completed her PhD in astronomy. Not recent, few years. How long ago? Years. Five years ago. Yeah. It's re- it's recent for me. I'm older than you are. <laughs> hey, listen, whippersnapper. So if anybody else has any questions, meander up on, uh, up to this mic. Uh-oh, Uh-oh. Coach Sigler is coming. I can't for believe that was five guys, years ago. Are you kidding? Oh, here we go. For those of you guys at home, uh, our next question comes from Coach Irv Sigler, who is Scott Sigler's pop, who joined us this weekend for Sigler Fest. Yes. I like to remind Scott of shit that he's done. <laughs> 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 One of his all-time favorite movies was The Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. That's fine. That's fine. God damn it, the phones are out. Oh, no, that was the children. Remember the children? No. That God was... damn it, the phone's dead. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> the Big Lebowski made no social statement. It had no plot. And you learn to use the F-bomb in all situations. That's true. That's true. So therefore, it has value. It does. It does. <laughs> it does. But not like the attack of the killer tomatoes, because they could be coming through that damn door any minute now. You don't trust them. You never trust a tomato. I so think we've learned that. So let me get this straight. Yeah. You don't get, full-on get dance. Correct. Just straight up don't get it's, it. I'm missing a the gear there. There's something that's not connected. You don't like musicals. I, 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 musicals kind of make me angry. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I'm like, stop of- singing! Stop singing for crying out loud! So you don't get dance, Correct. and you're personally offended by musicals. I am. However, a killer tomato horror movie, no problem. Good times. That doesn't make any am sense I wrong? at all. Who, in, who likes killer tomatoes? <laughs> I would like to point out, what was, what was the movie you asked earlier with the dancing? If people had seen it and only two people had seen it? La La Land. La La Land. I would like to point out, more dancing. people like the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes than La La Land. I yeah. mean, you know. And Attack of the Killer Tomatoes was totally robbed of its Oscar. It was. Because if there's one thing we've learned, the majority is always correct. That is not the case. No? Uh, Scott, I believe we have a question. Come on up, Scott. Hey there. So I, I'm with you on the musicals. You one people. exception. South Park. Mm. Uh, it is animation and dance and musical and all together, but it is it does involve Saddam Hussein and Satan. So, 
together. And puppets <laughs> and making love. Puppets. But, uh, yeah. And then a Team America is also one that I... Yeah. I, guess, I guess if it's a ridiculous, gross, gross comedy, then I'm, I'm down for that as well. So if it were a, a ridiculous, gross... If it was like Police Academy 18... The musical, you'd watch that? No, I don't think I would actually watch Revenge that. of the Nerds, the musical? Uh, probably not. I did stop watching Police Academy at like number six. I felt the, Sure, the, sure. It ran its course. I felt that the, uh, the, the gravitas had worn out on the show sure, a little bit. Sure, sure, sure. So, yeah. No, I, 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 I can't think. The only musical I would go watch is West Side Story Part 2, Let's Finish the Job. And it's just like this giant gang fight. Sure, you've got your dancing, but there's knives and blood, like, and let's get some guns in it and stuff like this yeah, oh, yeah. a lot of that <laughs> this is okay that scene we're way off topic but that's the dumbest knife fight i've ever seen just slice his arm it's tied to you you can't miss it okay. dante come on up here did you have a question yep yeah because you know what when i have a knife fight with someone i'm paying attention to the rules that's what i'm doing <laughs> Because it's gentleman's choice and it's decorum. Yes. Just so that everybody on the everybody at home who's listening, what Dante just said was oh, there are right. rules, rules that say you're not allowed to cut the the hand that's tied to you, the arm that's tied to you. So yes, is the good Irish boys racially hating the Puerto Rican boys who racially hate the Irish boys? They're going to have rules about their knife fights. I like it. But you once you once you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. Once you're a jet, you're a jet for life. Hello, 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 Keith. Keith. What's uh, your question or comment? Uh, a question for you, kind of, sort of. Um, the thing that bugged me, a storytelling thing, is you're going to give this guy a briefcase supposedly full of a million dollars, and the whole thing hinges on he never opened it yep. to see phone books. Yep. And I'm curious if there's anything specific like that that bugged you as a storyteller where you're going, this, this whole house of cards is just based on a really stupid assumption that the dude is too into whatever to ever think to open it's, the briefcase. It's a, it's a little bit of a plot point that's played out in Hollywood. We've seen it a bunch of times. We just watched a movie called Shallow Grave, um, which has a similar effect, and a lot of, a lot of movies have that. It's... It's kind of like, guys, anybody old enough remember the old Spider-Man TV show? You know, or the Spider-Man cartoon, and nobody ever looks up, and that's how Spider-Man hides from you, because he's right, like, that far above your head, which is totally untrue. You always look up. You just don't know. Like, if there was a man in a red and blue suit, you know, above your head. That is a solid point. It isn't as if he's blending into the ceiling. He's in a primary color suit. It is. It's not Predator. There's a dude who's got latex crawling up the crack of his butt, and his butt is right there. (laughs) You're going to notice that. So I think uh, that doesn't bother me, because that's that's one of those tropes that you just kind of let go. And then when he opened up, like, of course there's no money in the briefcase. Everybody knew there was no money in the briefcase. So it's, you'd, I'd rather have seen a different plot point be used. But it's such, a, it's such a slapstick playing with the tropes and having a good time. Like when the dude is getting more and more into him being a detective. Oh, man, this case is a lot of ins, a lot of outs, man. There's a lot of angles, man. And he start, you can see Bridges start to be like, okay, now he actually thinks he is a detective. The one that bothered me was the other detective. The dude in the VW Beetle mm-hmm. served absolutely no purpose whatsoever. Well, I mean, I think that it's the the Big Lebowski is a it's a Thanks, um, yeah. it's a noir tribute, a film noir tribute. Okay, it's, it's a Raymond Chandler tribute. It's a, 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 a Big Sleep a kind of a 
the same sort of feel and pacing as the big sleep. Okay. And so that sort of thing under the, the all you see is him under the streetlight and throwing a cigarette out the window and all that. That's that noir detective. We follow, you know, we follow the dude through every single thing that happens in that movie, just like in noir movies. And that's sort of just a peek into the rest of his life. So I think that I'm not saying it was done well or that you need to like it, but I think that's why that was there. There were the, all those moments interspersed with the complete ludicrousness of like that scene on the street where Walter um, destroys the car of the, I forget what the kid's name is. <laughs> yeah, Larry. But this is what happens, Larry. How can I forget? Look what you made me do, Larry. And then it isn't even Larry's car. Like that's yeah. a, like bizarre modern day slapstick in, in sort of inter, uh, Interceded with the. So they're, they're playing with all the tropes from yeah. the noir movies. That's and it what doesn't I really matter if they line up linearly or the story. I mean, it matters to you, but I think that well, was just, what they were going uh, for. That's <laughs> another one I felt like. Has there ever been a director's cut of The Big Lebowski? Does anybody know? No. And in fact, the, uh, the Coen brothers who direct and produce sort of together uh-huh. all their movies, they're, they're, I think one is assigned producer and director, but they do it together. Right. They don't even really like the. Big Lebowski. They don't like the Big Lebowski. Well, what they the, uh, Joel Cohen said in a. I, I'm obviously a big Cohen Brothers fan. If you can't tell. Um. In the climate ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe. It's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. He said in an interview once that, or I forget which movie was coming out, but people were asking, like, I mean, how... Is the Big Lebowski your favorite enduring movie? And he's like, well, I mean, it really resonated with more people than it did with us. <laughs> so they made it and they liked it. They didn't think that was going to be their legacy. Sure. So there probably is never going to be a director's Well, cut. I wonder because that, the scene with the guy in the Beatle, that feels like there's scenes deleted. 
that feels like to go through all that work of shooting those scenes and putting that film in and then having it be nothing in the story whatsoever. On first blush, it seems like, okay, there's other plot points that were cut out from that. They just deleted it. But then, like the kid with the car, has nothing to do with well, anything, I mean, the, right? The, so this is, it's a movie that is comprised of scenes that are only tangentially related to each other. Yeah, but I mean, he has a purpose. He's following the dude to see if the dude knows where Bunny is because they don't know where Bunny is. Who's the guy in Beetle working for? The, the, the Big Lebowski, right? The, oh, no, no, Bunny's parents. Oh, Bunny's parents. I think. Okay. So, uh, John, did you have a question? We'll roll into questions. Have you guys got one comment? Come on up. For Sigler, I've got a question. Oh, for Fox For Sigler. <laughs> I hope I didn't miss if you've got a list of things we don't know, Mr. Sigler. Ah, that was really horrible and a mean thing to do. We do actually have a a list of things you might not know about the Big Lebowski, but we're going to save that for a little while later. So we're actually going to actually got a question coming up here. Everybody who has questions, now's the time. Rhonda, what's your question? Howdy. Um, it's more of a, an opinion. Okay. Maybe it's a question. I don't know. Well, first off, as an aside, <laughs> my daughter and her boyfriend have the exact rug that the dude <laughs> took from the Big Lebowski. Does it tie they the room together? In their house. Does it tie the room together? It absolutely ties the room together. I mean, it really should. You mean a, re- a representation of that or the actual prop? Not the actual prop, okay. but, but it's like a, a copy of the same rug. That's awesome. It, it is. And I mean, I, we examined in length and we're like, yep, it's the rug. Okay. <clears throat> the other thing is, so the stupid people came in and peed on the rug. Mm-hmm. Why didn't they just take it to the damn cleaners and get it clean? Why all the drama? Because, man, that's, you, man, you, that's what he's trying to say, man. That's when he, uh, who's your favorite character again? Walter? Walter, yeah. That's Walter. That's the... Once he mentions it to Walter, Walter carries the plot off into a crazy, right. crazy land. And Jeff Bridges is bulldozed into going along with it. Okay, I would just like to point out that that is like just your opinion, man. It is. <laughs> also, Thank you. having had dogs at I many thought. times through my life, getting pee out of a carpet is not necessarily an easy thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I had roommates in college. Same thing was true about them. <laughs> Come on up. All right. A question for someone who didn't want to ask. Sweeney Todd. I haven't seen Sweeney Todd yet. Haven't seen Although it. that's a really solid point because that is about a murder. You know, you've not seen Sweeney Todd? I've not seen Sweeney Todd, and I'll tell guys, you why. I'll guys, tell you why. Guys, Scott Sigler will not, let me repeat, will not get his face, like go to a barber and get his face shaven with a straight razor. Why? Because if I go there, all of the things that have happened to me in my entire life have led me to that one moment when I'm in the chair and the barber will slice your throat and be like, dumbass, why did you come here? You knew what was going to happen. Which is the plot of Sweeney Todd. How could you not see that? <laughs> I, have, I, have, I, have, I have rules. If you are, and this is my movie rules, if you are a gangster... And you kill people, and people are out for revenge, you never go sit in the barber's chair. If you sit in the barber's chair, I can't watch that movie anymore. The only time I can watch, because I'm like, oh, well, you're stupid. You should get your, your throat sliced, right? So I don't exactly kill people that you know of. But what we do, 
That's, I cannot imagine, like, hello, stranger. Please put this sharp, razor-sharp piece of metal against my throat Why I hang out for five to ten minutes. This is dumber than a musical. I mean, seriously, it's like... Or, or it is a musical. It is it's a musical. Sweeney Todd. Um, it, that's why I haven't watched it, because it mostly involves straight razors in people's throats. I think Mr. McArdle has McArdle. a question. Yes. Right, bear, with, bear with me on this one, because right. there, there's some buildup to it. You know, I mean, we've all seen your acting chops, Scott, yes. which second to none, admittedly. Spectacular. And, and you're also a big fan of playing the bass. Yes. Right? And a big part of playing the bass is collecting gear, right? Correct. You, you need more stuff. You always You've need more stuff. You've got to have a lot. Never know. So now, in The Big Lebowski, Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers plays a nihilist. Yep. Do you think it's possible for a bass player obsessed with acquiring things mm-hmm. involving his musical career is able to set that aside and effectively be a nihilist. Uh, well, uh, I think Flea did a very good job. Flea is the bass player for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He was the gentleman who had his chest crushed by a bowling ball and then got to have what I felt was Academy Award caliber crawl across the ground wheezing scene <laughs> that went, <laughs> went on for quite some time. Uh, do I let's let's look at the larger socio-political context of your question, <laughs> Kelly? Shall we? What we have to ask ourselves is: Can people who have made millions and millions of dollars put that aside and leave a simple life? You know, can and the answer is of course not, because they made millions and millions of dollars. So I think that Flea branching out into acting to make even more money shows what a great actor he is because he's really being greedy to go do that other thing and yet he's playing a nihilist. So I think he did a pretty good job. I did like the nihilists. I thought they were pretty funny. Yeah. Where's the money, Lebowski? Okay. Yeah, I like that guy too. Bruce, do you have a question? Okay. Bruce does not have a question. So I think I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to hop into some of the things you might not have known. Normally, You're going to do the things uh, I might not have known. I am. Holy cats. Holy... Uh, I don't know if that was a real ferret or not. Uh, so these are things you might not know about the Big Lebowski. I'm going to assume there's lots of things you don't know about the Big Lebowski, but these are some of those. No, no, we're not going to sing it or dance it. That's not what we do here. Okay. Um, Lebowski got some love from the Library of Congress. In December 2014, the Big Lebowski became one of 650 culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant films preserved for future generations through the Library of Congress's National Film Registry. I did not know that. Yeah, and the reason that I brought this up was mostly to to tell you some of the other ones. Um, They're... uh, the 2014 class, there are 25 films. They include Saving Private Ryan, Rosemary's Baby, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> uh, it just says Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the so original. I think it was the Gene Wilder one, because yeah. I think the other one is just called Willy the Wonka. The only Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. <laughs> Ruining my childhood. Ruining my childhood. <laughs> What's that? It's, oh, it's, that's a a good point. it's a that's musical. It's a musical. I'm just saying there's only one Willy Wonka. It's a little creepy. It's a little bit a creepy. A little creepy. A lot creepy. The new one is uber creepy. Uh, I have a point of order question about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yes, sir. In the scene where they drink the fizzy pop and start to float up to mm-hmm. the um, randomly placed spinning guillotine put yeah. into the factory. <laughs> If they had tooted, would that have brought them down as well? Why does why do we always have to talk about tooting? I'm just saying, it's well, gas in the body. Why do we always have to talk yes. about tooting? Yes. 
There we go. Yes. Did they already? All right, cool. But, <laughs> but I think if they started tooting, then they would have to be ass end up. Okay. So they okay. were driving down. It's about reducing buoyancy, but... All right, next, what do we got here? Um, you'll love this. According to Joel Cohen, plot doesn't really matter. There we go. <laughs> Think about the many things you love about The Big Lebowski. The performances, the musical sequences, your favorite, of yeah. course. Um, the endless onslaught of brilliantly quotable lines. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. Uh, and, of course, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Strangely, the actual plot of the movie is secondary or fifthedary. It actually says that in the article. Uh, to most people's enjoyment of the movie. Do you remember what happens to the missing money in the end? Or even if there was missing money to begin with? Uh, I do not. According to Joel Cohen, they knew that the plot would probably be a bit confounding to most viewers on their first watch, and they also knew that it probably wouldn't matter. Um, (laughs) He says, the plot is sort of secondary to the other things that are sort of going on in the piece. I feel like if people got a little confused, it's not necessarily going to get in the way of them enjoying the movie. Unfortunately for Mr. Cohen, the opposite is also true. If they Mm -hmm. got a little confused, it wasn't going to help them enjoy the movie anymore that they couldn't understand the plot. It's... it's not a movie you go to watch to be riveted by the plot and the story. True. Like, like, that's what I said earlier. You're watching this movie for other things. Yeah. And if you are obsessed with story and obsessed with linear storytelling and foreshadowing and establishing things, uh, like I am, it's, it's, uh, it's a different experience to watch this movie. Exactly. I think this was the most, of all the things I did not know about all the movies that we have watched, this is my favorite thing I did not know. All right. And I actually looked at this list before we watched The Big Lebowski, and as far as I can tell, it's totally true. The dude is present in every single scene. All right. Uh, In true noir fashion, the lead character, in this case, the dude, is present in every scene of the movie. This includes a scene where Strohmeyer and the rest of the Nihilist crew are ordering pancakes in the diner, where Walter and the dude, and the dude's van can be seen through the diner window in the background. I love that. That I didn't know. Yeah. There you go. Also, not referenced in the title. The but Big Lebowski. was he in the van, or was the van a prop? Technically, uh, was he actually in every scene? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, the character was, anyway, yes. I see. All right. Um, but, of course, is not The Big Lebowski. Not referenced in the title. That's another thing you did not know. But you actually knew that, because you mentioned it. He is not The Big Lebowski. He is not The Big Lebowski. Correct. Uh, yes, Steve. They come. What she drives right by him, so that it ends with him. So it's not. He's not in every frame, but he's in every scene. Yeah. So the, what Steve just said was the scene where Bunny is driving, and it shows that her toe is intact. Huge mm-hmm. spoiler alerts there. Uh, ends with driving right by the dude. Okay. Uh, there's a music cameo you might have missed, but you guys didn't miss it. That was Flea. Hard to miss Flea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's a striking-looking man. I'm not reading all of these, but I'll read some of them. They, uh, the Coen brothers knew it was a long shot, but they wanted Brando for Jeffrey Lebowski, for the big Lebowski. Um, Marlon Brando? Marlon Brando, Wasn't he yeah. dead by then? Nope, he was almost dead by then, but they didn't know that at okay. the time. Uh, um, the, uh, the casting of Jeffrey Lebowski was one of the last decisions made before filming because names tossed around included Robert Duvall, who passed on because he wasn't fond of the script, Anthony Hopkins, who passed on it since... He had no interest in playing an American. And Gene Hackman, who was taking a well. break from acting at the time. 
A second wish list included the, an oddball who's who, including Norman Mailer, George C. Scott, Jerry Falwell, Gore Vidal, Andy Griffith, William F. Buckley, and Ernest Borgnine. Ernest Borgnine, Borgnine is my choice. I would have rather oh. seen him in that role. Uh, at, all, at all times, Gene Hackman. If Gene Hackman's in the movie, it becomes a good movie. Ah, fair. That's a fact. The Cohen. The uh, does, he ha- does Gene Hackman have any musicals? I think The French Connection. Is not a musical. Not at all. Not Popeye at all. It's not even, not, uh, not no. even, there might not even be music in it. Uh, there, oh, the, oh bird the bird cage. Yeah, Nicely right. done. Is that a musical or does it just have a musical scene? So do we, if you have, within the context of the plot, there are singers or dancers or performers, and you see them doing their thing as part of, whoop, as part of the movie... That's okay. It's when people randomly burst into song, like, you know, the diary of melody that just has to come spraying out all of a sudden. I, I, this is where it gets difficult for me. Come on, the diary of melody. That wasn't bad. Phrasing. <sighs> a sequel is not coming, even okay. though one, char- one actor keeps pushing for a spinoff. The Coen brothers have repeatedly shot down anything vaguely resembling, resembling the idea of writing and directing a sequel, with Joel Cohen flatly stating... I just don't like sequels. Still, the rumors persist and that they reached a fever pitch in October of 2014 when unfounded claims that a sequel would start filming in January 2015 started swirling on the internet. However, there is an iota of a chance you'll ever see any of the movies... If there is an iota of a chance that you'll ever see any of the movie's characters spouting out new lines at any point in the future, it'll probably be the bowling ball licking, smooth rolling sex offender Jesus Quintana. Yep. I was, uh, from the first time he stepped onto the screen, I was really bummed when I got to the end of the movie, and I'm like, we don't really get to see that much of him. Yeah, it's John Turturro agrees with you. He says, it's hard, it, they say, it's hard to believe, but John Turturro's legendary character pops up in just two scenes. Turturro correctly thinks the character needs more face time and has been bothering the Coen brothers to revisit the character for years, or at least give him permission to do it on his own. And they won't give it up? They so far have not given it up. Okay. Um, let's see trying to call up the list of Coen Brothers films here. Due to the profanity, cable cuts of Lebowski have required some very creative <laughs> editing. <laughs> Do you have to use so many curse words? It's surprising that Lebowski is a film that gained much of its following via post-theater cable television runnings, considering fuck is uttered 260 times throughout, making it one of the most F-bomb-laden feature films ever. However, even in the edited for cable versions, they've gained something of a cult following for their, shall we say, creative word replacements. One version that aired on Comedy Central famously featured Walter bizarrely screaming, do you see what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps? (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what that would be replacing even. (laughs) You don't know what that's replacing? I don't think so. (laughs) That's what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. Oh, Yes, it does replace that. We are, we are, we are well met, Miss Pierre is the Driven Snow, because... I'm the apple polisher of this, uh, of this I will duo. say this. The movie, my watching this movie came at kind of a, um, an interesting time. Our book, Earthcore, is on Audible and is doing, doing really well for us. We're selling more copies pretty much of any other book we put out so far. And we're very excited. And we're trying to keep that going. But what happens, and this happens with some digital properties like Hugh Howey's Wool, for example, which is a huge science fiction ebook, popular beyond anyone's plausible expectation. A lot of that came because of the name of the book, Wool. Amazon started recommending it to people who had never read science fiction before. You know, people who buy yarn and shit, right? 
But once that started and a few people started to buy it because it's a book called Wool, some of those people didn't like it. And a lot of the reviews were along the lines of, I didn't even think I liked science fiction. I've never read this stuff before, and this is a really good book. And then it started to spiral. So in addition to it being a good book, there was this random chance thing where it started to roll out to people who had never seen that kind of stuff before. Earthcore now is uh, selling well enough on Amazon and on Audible that their algorithm, if you bought this, you might like this, is kicking in. And now my hardcore fans have all probably bought Earthcore, probably powered through it already. Now we're getting in front of a lot of people who have never heard of me before. And one of the biggest problems I'm having in the Audible reviews is one star, there's three star categories. It's one star, one star, one star. Oh, the terrible language in this. Do you have to use the F word so much? Yeah. So many F-bombs. And there are people who are just genuinely ticked off yeah. that there's so many F-bombs in it. So I'm, I'm reading this, and uh, it's not the first time I've heard this, mind you. This has popped up before, but... For a long time, my audience has kind of been centralized, and the people who listen to the books know what to expect and don't get that mad. Audible is going crazy. So one, watching this and seeing how many times they drop the F-bomb and knowing that this is now one of the culturally protected movies of the world, it actually helped a little bit. I'm like, yeah. oh, you know, I don't know if I, don't know if I should change my style or whatever, and this is more like, hey, you think I should change my style? Go fuck yourself. And right? It, it all works <laughs> out, right? And it did. It actually gained a cult following uh, after its theatrical release. Yes. So that some of that, you get people who will get one book and then circle all the way back around through your library and then end up a, a huge junkie. So sure. Same sort sure. of thing. Josh, do you have a point? Did you have a Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have just two more. Um, okay. The main, uh, the character, Walter Goodman's Walter Sobchak, or John Goodman's Walter Sobchak had a real life Hollywood inspiration. Writer and director John Mullius, who had a hand in making Dirty Harry, Mullius, Mullius, uh, had a hand in making of Dirty Harry, Apocalypse Now, Jaws, Conan the Barbarian, and HBO's Rome. Milius, who sports glasses, a beard, and a figure similar to Walter, claims to be obsessed with the Vietnam War. But unlike Walter, he was never actually able to serve. After attempting to enlist in the 1960s, he was turned down due to chronic asthma. Mm. I love this unknown piece of Walter. I, I'm just imagining this as part of Walter Sobchak's um, uh, character. Like, that dude, with all, or not that dude, that gentleman, with all that cursing, all that drive, all that anger, the gun, all that stuff. Also chronic asthma. Yeah, I love that. That fits very well. <laughs> uh, some of the Coen Brothers movies, uh, that Raising Arizona. Everybody yes. ever see that one? Yes. Let's go get Nathan Jr. That's a, that's a good one. Miller's Crossing, which I did not know. Mm-hmm. The Hudsucker Proxy. And, of course, Fargo, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Uh, oh, Brother, Where Out Thou, which is sort of a musical. Yeah. Except, uh, uh, wait, are they, but they're singing within the context of the story. They are. Okay, so it's okay for me to like that. I thought I was going to have to go back and not like that. Uh, and then there's some I don't know. The Man Who Wasn't There, Intolerable Cruelty, The Lady Killers, mm. No Country for Old Men, which people seem to like. Yeah, you might like that one. There's no singing. Uh, I've heard enough about the end of that. Uh, no, I... I can't think. Maybe I've seen that one. It, it might not have been my jam if I can. Burn After Reading, which we'll have to watch. True Grit. Anybody like the remake of True Grit? Now, see, that had an actual plot and an actual story. Well, it was a, also a remake. Well, that's right. Hail Caesar. Has anybody seen Hail Caesar? 
No, no, I will say this though. Hail Caesar came out at the same time as the movie I was talking about earlier this uh, in this episode, La La Land. And the trailers or the commercials in my head, we uh, you invited folks over to your house to watch La La Land. Uh, he's got a friend who got a, a pre-screener before the Oscars, so he invited folks over to watch. And I was so excited to see Channing Tatum dance. And I watched the whole movie, and I'm like, is Channing Tatum. I wanted to see dancing. That's Hail Caesar. <laughs> He's not in La La Land. Uh, Channing Tatum isn't a dancey movie. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, maybe. I have heard it's of it. I haven't seen it. It's but... apparently full of reprehensible individuals I, who we, I will have to examine that sell for their myself. body for money. Gonna have to watch and see for myself if they're yes. really repre- reprehensible. Oh, yes. Yes. It's, it's terrible. It's terrible. Do we have any other facts we Just do not one, know? Just one, and then more. I think okay. we'll wrap it up. Um, you've almost certainly seen Jeffrey Lebowski's mansion someplace else. Mm-hmm. Mr. Lebowski's not-so-humble Beverly Hills dwelling is known as Greystone Manor in real life and has popped up in The Muppets, The Prestige, Rush Hour, The Social Network, The Dirty Dozen, and perhaps most notably in the music video for Meatloaf's I'd Do Anything for Love, But I Won't Do do That. that. So, uh, I am a big Coen Brothers uh, movie fan. I think I will have to go watch Hail Caesar now. Do you think you'll take another spin? Uh, Is Hail Caesar a musical? I think so. Or at least partially a musical. I don't know. That's that's not a rousing endorsement, you guys. But it's contextual. It's contextual. The guy, uh, George Clooney, plays an actor who plays Caesar, and I think he gets kidnapped or something. I'm not really sure. So when they're filming the movie, the movie within the movie... Are there any dancing scenes in swimming pools? The choreographed swimming? I'm out. I'm out. Okay. What about Burn After Reading? That is not I'll do Burn After Reading. All right. I'll do Burn After Reading. Scarlett Johansson. I don't think that can weigh out people dancing together in a swimming pool. It's too much. I just want to know that... All the scenes in the old movies where people do the amazingly choreographed quote, Ethel the simultaneous Ethel Merman simultaneous swimming, swimming. I just want to think that that's a lot like the Great Wall of China, and many people died in the filming of that. Drowning's an actual hazard. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess that does it for us on this, the 28th episode of Story Smack. Uh, If you enjoyed it and you want to listen for more, you can find us uh, all over the internet. Scott and I are online. Scott is at Scott Sigler on Twitter and Instagram. And his Facebook feed is, or his Facebook page is facebook.com slash Scott Sigler. I am a real girl on Twitter and a.real.girl on Instagram. You can find this podcast online at scottsigler.com slash Story Smack. And we'd love to see your comments over there. Yeah, as always, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Scott Sigler Audiobooks and subscribe. You'll get a free audiobook episode every single Sunday. And we have a brand new audiobook we're starting this, this Sunday. Com- yeah, this coming well, Sunday. Yes, this coming Sunday, which is Alone, which is book three of the Generations trilogy. Mm-hmm. So if people are just hearing this, they can go back and listen to book one, book two, and then join us every week for an episode of book three. And that... Who narrates uh, that? Oh, some some <laughs> redhead. Uh, this book is narrated by A. Kovacs. It's true. Yes. It's true. Thank you very much. Very generous. Very, very nice. The dulcet, sonorous tones of A Real Girl. And that does it for episode 28 of Story Snack. Until next week, we'll talk to all of you real, real soon.
every five minutes. A transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.